Welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most. Because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady. Welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. You can find us at www.myfamilythinksomecrazy.com or go to our Patreon at www.patreon slash mftic. We're also on YouTube. We're going to be streaming every week. Looks like we're going to be streaming Fridays, so tune in Fridays. That day might change, but thanks for listening to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Please enjoy this interview. I create my morphogenetic field of protection every single day. I reinforce it every single day. I banish anything that I've sort of picked up or has gotten like stuck or any energetic like slowness in my own field or whatever, just sort of dimness or darkness. I like eradicate that every day and I invite back in this fresh, pure light of love of God, whatever. Again, the words don't really matter to me, right? It's whatever you want to call it is totally fine, but invite that in. And that habit of doing that, that practice of doing that, and that morphogenetic field that I've created has made this like a very powerfully protected place um, where even if I were to try and invite in something dark, like all of this energy would like deflect even that. Welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I am your host here today, rolling solo. Jay is at work, and we have an amazing guest. You know her from Rogueways and Rockfin.com. She's got a awesome, I, I wouldn't say new because it's been going strong for a little while now, but it's fresh, the middle path. I'm loving it. I think it's... Uh, it's a refreshing take on uh, Gnosticism in a personal way and true Gnosis, not academic Gnosticism. We're talking about the pursuit of knowledge. So without further ado, Lindsay Sharman, how are you today? I am great, Mark. It is so good to be here and thank you for that introduction. Of course, of course. Yeah, I mean, I've been a fan of you since I first heard you on Tinfoil Hat those many months or years ago. And yeah, just really always 
a pleasure to hear what you have to say, whether it's on, you know, Tinfoil Hat or your own show or when we did the Idiocalypse uh, swap cast together and, you know, over and over again, uh, we've crossed paths and here we are. You're on my show. And it's a pleasure to have you. So, Lindsay, a question I ask every guest is how did this journey begin for you? Where did this all start? Were you a, an odd kid like me? What, is this something you got into later in life? How did this begin? I definitely started in childhood. Um, I guess I was an odd kid. <laughs> I just always felt, I don't know, deeper connection, I guess, with uh, everything around me that was not the human world. So like I loved nature. I spent hours by myself climbing trees and like talking to myself in bushes and just like doing weird shit. So I guess it was pretty weird. Um, you know, and I had a I had a pretty early connection with spirituality, but obviously in our society, that's easiest to find in the in the church. And so I went to church a lot and I loved it. And it wasn't like a religious thing for me, though. It was like I really loved being around people who were joyously like celebrating life and what I knew to be God, which was just this presence that was everywhere, you know, and uh, I didn't have words for any of that, obviously, but I just I, I really liked that. And so that was always, I guess, a part of who I was. And then as things went on, shit got weird. Sorry, can I swear? <laughs> no, please. Yeah. Okay. Fuck yeah. 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 Shit got weird. So um, I did, things got dark for a while, you know, like my father died when I was 11. And so that really um, catalyzed a lot of pain and suffering that I think had always been going on. We were very, we lived in poverty and we moved around, we were homeless for a bit and we didn't have food sometimes. And it was just, I didn't really connect with the pain and suffering of that until he died. And then it was like, okay, you know, fuck the whole world. Like, fuck all of you. Fuck God. <laughs> I seriously would tell people like love doesn't exist. It's just a thing people pretend so they can like have houses and jobs easier or something. <laughs> like I was very dark for a while. And that, um, that definitely took me down an interesting path for a long time. But even that ended up being, you know, kind of good in a way because I had to really face down some some demons and, um, you know, learn what it was to consciously choose to live aligned with like your higher self and truth and light. And that is a very different experience than people who are just sort of like casually choosing it. And like things are sort of okay most of the time. You don't have to think too much about it. And, you know, so I... I think there's a little bit in there too that was almost like appropriate. Right. <laughs> it was necessary. And, yeah, and I think that is something that myself and probably a lot of listeners can relate to that kind of journey uh, through the abyss that our soul kind of goes through and, and comes out on this other side. Was there a moment or an experience, a person that helped you see the light, so to speak? Like, where was that uh, transition point where you started to take your own power back from that kind of uh, nihilistic state of mind? Well, it definitely was cyclical, you know, like this, this whole question of like, when was the point or like what was the experience or who was the person or what was the thing for me it was like multiple people and multiple mm. things over many years because each sort of awakening and choice to be more aligned with the light was like an improvement but there was still then more 
had a depth to dive into and demons to slay. And like, until the point where now it's like super nuanced. If I have these dark nights of this soul, it's like this very, I don't even know if I could explain it, you know, this very like intricate part deep within of our like personality and our path that seems so minor sometimes. And you go in and you like make a little adjustment there and then like everything changes, you know? Mm. So I feel like it just happens over and over and over again. But a big one that I always, um, point back to because it was definitely a moment where I had to admit that there was more than we can see. I was very materialistic for a while, you know, when I rejected God and love and all these things, I was like, we're just flesh pigs. We're all going to die and everything's stupid. And, you know, and so I had to then confront this uh, falsehood because it's not true. Obviously there's a lot going on. And I had to admit that we had souls and that maybe like interdimensional or demonic beings existed and that things were like way weirder than I had uh, been willing to admit prior or at least since I was a young child when I just knew those things you know I think we all just kind of know them back then Uh, but that was when I had uh, you know this um, dark and demonic energy attachment via the tarot deck and the misuse of the tarot tool um and that and and things were pretty wacky with that it was very much like a um you know what people would describe as a oh my god I can't remember the word right now but the entity that comes in and like throws things in your house and makes the girl's head oh poltergeist like a poltergeist yes thank you (laughs) wow yeah so let's get into that because I feel like tarot is that tool for not like just prophecy, but directing your life in a really conscious and active way. Would you say you, you can resonate with that tarot cards? Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's exactly what tarot is great for, you know, and I do readings and um, they're safe now and they're protected because I know how to do it now and uh, things are good, but I, you know, people come and, and I, they, I hear the same thing basically a hundred percent of the time. Right. And it's either like, I already, I already knew this really. I did. I needed the affirmation. I needed the confirmation, but I already understood. So it's either showing us things that it was like, we knew, but we weren't admitting it to ourselves or we knew, but we weren't like willing to really make the leap and like do the thing because we were scared or whatever. But now we have the confirmation or it's like you said, it's going to show us these patterns that are like hidden from us. And even those you hear like, kind of knew that kind of knew that so it's never it's almost never telling anyone anything they didn't know it's almost always telling people what they didn't want to admit or really needed to hear uh, in various ways right and I think that's any good uh, oracle system or um, sort of psycho spiritual system is going to really provide you like a reflection of yourself in order for you to be able to piece out these things that uh, you just needed to see a little bit and we like you said we hide them from ourselves so I do think that's a really good description um And, you know, anytime tarot is being done, in my opinion, well or correctly, it's being done in alignment with or in conjunction with our spiritual forces, our spiritual energies. And however people want to describe that stuff, I don't really care. Words are practically meaningless. It's the thing itself that counts, right? So, you know, you can call it God, you can call it higher self, you can call it spiritual allies and, you know, saints and Buddhas and whatever. It doesn't matter. It's all the same sort of stuff, right? And energy that's that's connecting. And so, um, you know, when I do tarot readings now, I, I invite in the consciousness of the person and I invite in their various types of spiritual energy that I work with. And I invite those in after having already clarified myself and my space and made protection around that self and space and their 
their energies are coming in just to this deck itself and nothing else right and it's just coming through i'm not touching it it has nothing to do with me and and so it's all very safe and protected but back then when i was a young whatever 13 14 15 i don't remember how old i was exactly and i first encountered this tarot um and i literally had never if i had heard of it it was like maybe on a movie once or something and it was some weird wishy thing you know but i really had no connection i had no idea about it i didn't know what was going on i just knew this girl was doing card games at this weird party i was at and that she was just doing readings for everyone and finally it was like everyone in that whole place had had one except me and so they were like you know you do it and i was like sure whatever like this stupid thing is and I sat down to do it and the way she um, did tarot readings, which I then continued to do after this, because I learned from her by watching her was she invited in a spirit to guide the reading and to direct the cards. And I like looking back now, I'm just like, oh my God, why would you ever do that? Like, you don't know what spirit you're just saying any old spirit just come in and just connect with my cards and this person like that's crazy dangerous and stupid. Um, and I don't think that 100% of people who maybe would invite that in would get like the mega dose that I ended up getting. But I think because I already have these sort of spiritual sensitivities and awarenesses and, you know, skills since I was a child and, you know, ever more as I continue to grow and practice and clarify, I think that when you have that sort of potential or alignment or like possible path, the things that come like looking at you or for you are a little bit higher level than the things that might come to someone who's just totally disconnected from it and is never going to be connected with it and doesn't really have that life path. It's like not as good of a food source maybe or however you want to look at those types of things. But I think that might be part of why I got like this really powerful entity uh, super attached to me and it got more and more attached in my ignorance of continuing to use the, I went and got the same deck as her. And I start, cause I was like, this is actually really cool. The reading I got was insane, which we could talk about too. And, um, so I wanted to do it. I was like, this is a neat party trick or whatever. <laughs> like, so I went and got it and then I started doing the same thing. Like, and as can a spirit come in and guide it? And I'm positive it was that same spirit. And that every time I did a reading, it was just getting deeper and deeper and like connection with me and present alongside me. Um, cause, cause eventually very strange things started to happen. And are you willing to get into those strange things? Because Absolutely. I can, I mean, Listeners of uh, my show have probably heard me talk a little bit about my experience with Alistair Crowley. And as you're saying this, what's coming to mind is the realization that the first tarot card deck, and I, I knew this, but I just like never really put it together the way I am right now. The first tarot card deck I ever owned was the Thoth deck, the Crowley deck. And I bought the Thoth book and kind of learned about it and, and how he like developed the card deck specifically based on his magical system and then you know as my life goes on and I end up doing a show all about Alistair Crowley that gets seen by a hundred thousand people on YouTube so if that's not some kind of synchronicity I don't know I don't want to get too far into all that just because like I'm doing an interview about Crowley later on today and I don't want (laughs) to double up (laughs) but yeah, what, what was that? Because I, I understand completely the invocation potential. Like when you invoke something into your life, it's really, it's opening the door to a world that you don't 
are you're not prepared to deal with. Like listeners should go and check out my latest YouTube channel where I read from The World of the Shaman by Neville Drury because it kind of describes how much goes into this process of going into the underworld, which is essentially kind of what's going on in a different way. The tarot card is a system of uh, numbers and symbols that in an I Ching numerology sort of way have a real potential to hold information within the moment that they're used. And same thing with these psychedelic drugs that the shamans are using, but let's not go too far into the digression. Lindsay, what were some of the strange things that happened after you, you know, use this tarot card deck maybe a little carelessly. Yes, very carelessly. And I'll say that I do now, I do ceremony for people. I do spiritual guidance with people. And I do some of those, you know, shamanic sort of practices. I use them. And so I don't, I, and obviously I read tarot now too. And so I, I don't want to ever give people the idea that you can't do these things safely, but I love to tell the story because I love to show what can happen when you do it like an idiot <laughs> and you don't know what you're doing and you are opening those doors and it is powerful, whether you like it or not, it's powerful, whether you think it is or not. And it's just not something that I would go dabbling with. And like I said, I don't think hundred percent of people could invite this and it would just happen. I just think the potential is so extreme that you just want to be careful and you want to be protected. So, um, and also just to say that, you know, a lot of the protection that you have is literally just your intention and awareness. And so you don't have to feel also like you're just this helpless, you know, piece of crap in a shit storm of demon world. Like that's not what's going on. <laughs> I mean, that's what makes it so dangerous is because you are so powerful and luminous as a yeah. human being that when you enter into this kind of portal to the other side, those beings who are less than us in a way are really attracted to us because they're parasitic in nature in some ways in some they respects don't have their own source connection right. and we do and so right. we're like this endless energy for them that they don't have to finally give up and go back to the recycle stage but in my understanding <laughs> but um yeah the things that started to happen and you know people ask me like well why didn't you like do something right away and the answer is i didn't believe anything was happening you know when stuff starts happening like i just have this i still do it now i think most humans do we have this penchant to just say like oh no it's probably this totally explainable thing it's probably whatever we do it with our health you know you get like a new symptom and you're like no it's probably fine and then you find out it's like something serious much later and you just didn't like you know we do it a lot we just try to explain things away because it's easier that way and so you know i'd have stuff um, move in front of me. I've had, I've, I'd have stuff like, um, I had sleep paralysis start happening really frequently. I didn't associate that with anything. I things, objects would just move in front of me and they would only do it in front of me and they wouldn't do it in front of anyone else in the house. And they almost never did it in front of anyone else. And when they did that, those people would do the same thing that I was doing. Like, Oh, it was just like, you know, normal. So I'm sure it was normal somehow. And one of the objects that finally moved that really like I couldn't explain away. Um, it's a, it's so stupid trying to describe this, but it's this flashlight that would stick into the wall to charge, right? But to turn it on or off, you had to like pull it out of the wall. You had to depress a button that would allow you to put the plug-in part all the way back in, click shut, then you could press the on or off button, right? This was so multi-step thing going on here. Right. <laughs> so oh, I can see it. Yeah. 
yeah, you get it. So this flashlight like jumped off the wall basically and turned on right in front of me. <laughs> like yeah. like a magical, like it had to like fall. The per- if we were scientists <laughs> and we were trying to explain this uh, materialistically, it would have to fall in such a way that the plug would close in on itself and also you know, that like function that holds it back because you have to put your finger in there to actually yes, to get it. That sounds like a ghost to me, right? not a freak accident. <laughs> right. And that's actually too what I started telling myself because I was like, okay, now I can't deny it. These things are moving on their own. It's something. But I was like, it's got to be like a ghost, right? I guess ghosts are real. And that's not so bad, right? A ghost might just be trying to talk to me or something. And And it really didn't feel like all that bad. And then the sleep paralysis started getting worse. That started to feel a bit darker. And then one night, another thing I couldn't ever ignore or deny happened where I was sitting on my computer doing whatever I was doing, playing Minesweeper or something. And I just felt like something watching me. And we all kind of get that sometimes, you know, so I just wasn't that, but I like got intense. I was like, something's like here, but I was alone in the house. And, um, And then I got really, really cold. And I was like, what the hell? Like, it's so cold. And I kept looking behind me, like expecting someone to be standing there. No one was standing there. My dog wakes up. He's sleeping under my feet, basically like under the desk next to me. He wakes up and this is a dog who has the nicest, sweetest, kindest disposition in the universe. He's never barked at anything viciously. He's never attacked anything. He's never growled in his life that I've heard of ever. He's my best friend. I've spent a lot of time with him and he's never growled at this point, right? He wakes up, he looks up, he looks right at the area where I'm like feeling this like staring coming from and this cold energy and he starts growling and the hackles on his back stood up. And I was like, what? The? Like, I get chills right now, even because there was just, I'd known him for a de- more than a decade and he had never growled at anything. And it just like the fact that I could like feel this cold, feel that stare. And he saw something, he knew something was there and it was not good if he's growling at it. Right. His first growl ever is not going to be a good thing. So I was like, so I like ran to my bed and jumped under the blankets because um, that's where all the safety is, right? You, we all know if you get under your blankets, you're protected. So, <laughs> you know, it was terrifying. Um, and so those two things combined, I was like, something is happening and I can't deny it anymore. And it's not great. It doesn't feel good, right? I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a ghost, but I don't want to talk to the ghost. I want the ghost to go away and I don't know. And then you have this problem. And this is why I love to provide support for people now, because back then, like who was going to talk to me about this and not think that I'm going insane and not treat me like an idiot and not treat me like, you know, I just should be put on medication or something. Um, Nobody, there's nobody. Right. And so I, I didn't, I just kind of sat with it and Uh, eventually sleep paralysis, anyone out there who has experienced it may know that it's something like 10% of people who experience sleep paralysis end up with some sort of a, an entity visitation. And they obviously don't call it that in scientific literature. They call it like a hallucination of an entity visitation or something, but whatever. I think we all know that it's something. Um, so I had that. And again, I had no compass for this at all. I had no idea what was going on. Um, and it was sort of like a, and like an out-of-body experience as well, which I had had previously and also didn't have framework or reference for and just was scared of and was weirded out by and wasn't sure what was going on. But this time I was just still stuck like right above my body. Like I couldn't go anywhere. Just like your body is actually paralyzed physically, my um, 
like soul seemed to be paralyzed. Like I was just not, I wasn't able to move around like I had in other times. And so I was just noticing that I could like see the whole room. I could look anywhere. I just couldn't move. Right. And everything looked exactly like it did in real life. And then I started noticing that I could even hear the TV from out in the other room. And so I was like, oh, this is like real time. Like this is actually happening. Like I'm out of my body experiencing the real world. Like this is so weird. And then I saw this black form of like smoke, like just formless. Like it, it was like maybe person sized and it just came into my room through my door. So I saw this like energetically and I was like, holy shit. I was like, that's the thing. Like I felt the same feeling. I felt the same cold or that same like look that I, like I just knew it was the same presence. I heard my dog come up to my door and start scratching on it and whining. Like he knew that it had come in and he was like concerned about me. And that was terrifying too. So I'm terrified out of body in sleep paralysis with an entity in my room and my dog clawing and whining at my door. And then it like sort of morphed into like the shape of a, a small girl. And honestly, it's almost like in my head, like that same girl from Poltergeist, like the little blonde girl, but either way, <laughs> it was a little child. And it was, I look back and I'm like, it did this unintentionally. It knew what to do to get to my like heartstrings, right? So it knew that I had thought, oh, maybe it's a ghost earlier on, right? And like now I'm having these negative experiences. And but like at some point I kind of almost trusted it or whatever. So I think it was trying to like play on that. And then my like mothering instincts and like this really strong urge I have to protect anything that's innocent, you know, like probably a lot of women do. And I was like, oh, it's just a little girl ghost. And she probably just is lost and she probably just needs my help. And I'm like, well, the person who can help her. So there's like ego in there, you know, and there's like all of these like ah, attacks on your weakness, basically, <laughs> you know, like deceitful deviousness. And um, so I started to let my guard down, whatever that looks like energetically, I don't know. I know that consent is part of all of these things, you know, and, and so I was basically at some level of consent of like, yeah, I'll help a little girl ghost. Like it's all good. And I literally heard a voice, not my own, didn't sound like my thoughts, didn't sound like anything I'd ever heard. It was definitely coming from like inside my brain. I knew it wasn't like a person from somewhere, you know, and it said, that's just what it wants you to think. And right when it said that it was like that thing this dark entity heard it too and knew that I was like now going to be on guard. And it like took that instant between when I heard it and processed it and maybe like put up a guard to leap at me. And it was leaping towards me and it felt like it was going to come heart throat somewhere in here and hit me. And I just said, dear God, help me. And this like shield went up. So <laughs> someone who didn't you know, had rejected God for a long time after my initial childhood experience of loving God, rejected God and thought love didn't exist. Now in this moment, I'm like calling on God, whenever we think God is, I don't care. I'm not attached to that word too much, but whatever it is created this shield, literally felt the shield like come around me. And this thing like had just been about to hit me and it hit the shield instead. And like, I heard and felt its rage, like nothing I have ever felt in my life or heard in my life. And, um, that was actually maybe the most terrifying part of the experience because like before that it was kind of like feeling me out, trying to like find the edge to get in, you know, and whatever. It was just sort of like slow moving and like easy. And then that moment when I like heard this 
sound that I could never describe or recreate very well, that was um, pure evil for sure. <laughs> pure, the anger of pure evil who thought it almost had like a really good snack. When did it dawn on you that this may have been linked to your interaction with the tarot cards? Because I mean, this experience must have shocked you to the core, showed you your connection or revealed a connection to your higher self. I mean, that's kind of what I think of is like, we're all God. So when you acknowledge that, you you reestablish that connection with your higher self, which is God. It's, it's connected to that consciousness matrix that gives all things life. And when we, when we shut ourselves off from that, we do enter into this world of like, you know, uh, lesser entities who have that uh, eternal kind of struggle they've dedicated themselves to and are trying to use us instead of facing their own path because they used to be divine beings just like you and I, Yeah. you know, and, and now they're kind of withering themselves away, but what, where was the connection? Because now, obviously, you're using the tarot card to help people. It's a tool. It could be yeah. used either way. And honestly, I was using it then to help people, too. You know, and my readings then were insane. Like, I effortlessly would just, like you described that woman, like, just know everything about a person and their situation. And they would be, like, freaking out. Like, how the fuck did you know this? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, this is what the cards are doing, right? And um, but it did help a lot of people. And so it wasn't evil, you know, it wasn't evil. The evil part would come when that thing would have possibly been able to attach to me, maybe more even, I don't want to say permanent. I don't think anything's permanent, but um, much more aggressively and, and in a way that would have been a lot harder to detach than it ended up being. Um, that's evil. You know, it, it specifically was trying to trick me into letting it like, get a stronger hold on the, on what I see as like the central core of my energetic body, which is my heart chakra. Like that's what it was aiming for. In my opinion, some people think the throat it's in a similar area. I don't know. I don't really care that much. I just feel like that was its goal. And so if you have to trick and deceive into like feeding off of innocent people, then you're, you're evil and dark. Right. And the um, tarot connection really Basically, I then went to school the next day and I had had the whole night then of this thing like attacking me still, but I had this like shield, but it was like somehow able to like, I mean, I was seeing every time I closed my eyes, just like the most gruesome, dark hellscapes that I could never imagine on my own, like would never and could never have no experience with anything like that. I don't like horror movies like I just, it was disgusting and disturbing. And so I didn't sleep all night and I just had this going on and I got to school the next day and all these um, people who had seen me like strung out on crystal meth and like high on acid and just all these like drugs that I had been doing for years, like um, really bad shape multiple times over and over again. Those people who had never asked me anything like this were saying to me, oh my God, are you okay? What's wrong? What happened? Did someone die? Like and it was a hundred percent of people that I was encountering. So by like the third or fourth person who did this to me, I was like, I can't fucking do this. I can't go to school like this. Like there's something evil on me. Clearly, whatever happened last night, it was real. And these people are like seeing it and I cannot do this. And the only, like I said, there's nothing in our society that really provides context for this, or at least not back then, at least uh, for me. Um, 
you know, and so the, the closest context I had was my friend's parents who were super, super Christian and really believed in demons. And even a lot of Christian people do not actually believe that real demons exist and affect people or that this spiritual sort of war happens. Like they reject all of that, most of them, but some Christians really do believe it. And they were one of it. And I knew that. So I was like, well, at least they can help me understand like what to do to help myself. Cause as much as I had that shield, like that blocked it and whatever, I just could tell, like it was still on me and around me and I couldn't get rid of it. So, or I didn't know how to, or if I could, Plus there was a large part of me that was like, I might actually be insane. Like I might need to go to the nut house and maybe this is all just like, really like I've done too many drugs and it's over. Um, so that was a possibility too, but I was going to go rule out demons first. So I went to there, I called them and like any really good Christian who believes in demons, uh, they invited me to skip school and come to their house. <laughs> I was like, can I come over right now? Like, I don't know what's going on. I think maybe it's something really bad or dark or whatever. And they were like, sure, come over super lucky that they were there and that they were down for that. But um, they're really, really good people. I still uh, love them and in touch with them. But I went over to their house. I told them the basics of the story, you know, like that things had been moving around my house and that then I had this thing attack me last night and I don't understand it or I don't know what it is and my dog doesn't like it and whatever. And they're like, oh yeah, it's a demonic attack for sure. You have a demonic attack. They're like, you must be like really... Uh, and, but they had said too, like, you always have to invite it somehow or have some sort of a portal. And they knew that I did tarot. And so they were like, you asked it to come, you invited it and you, and then I was like, dude, I actually literally invite spirits to like, help me do my readings. And they were like, yeah, you like how you invited a demon into your house and into your deck. And so they're like, okay, but it's cool. We can handle this. And I was like, okay, tell me how. And they're like, you just like say this prayer with Jesus or whatever and invite Jesus into your heart. I was like, cool, let's do it. How do we do it? And they were like, you just say this, just repeat after us, you know, something like I invite Jesus into my heart and soul or something like that. And I accept him as my savior probably was part of it. So I said it and I am not shitting you and I am not a Christian and I don't promote Christianity as a religion to this day, but I love Jesus's morphogenetic field because when I invited that in I literally from like head to toe just felt all that darkness like fall off me and it was like the first time I could breathe like since that whole ordeal began and I was like holy shit like you don't I imagine it's like when you just eat shitty food all the time you're like burgers and fries and ice cream and whatever and like just eating that and then one day you do like just celery juice or something like you know just the wow well how was I living like that like how did I not crumble under that pressure like the immense relief was just indescribable um and so I have that you know direct experience now where as much as I can hate the history of the church and the manipulations of the bible and all of the things that go along with religion as like this trap and this structure of control I could never deny that whatever Jesus is as a, again, like collective unconscious, like archetype, morphogenetic field, actual souls, I don't even care. It's powerful <laughs> and it works like a charm. And I hear this all the time now, ever since then, you know, people talk about like they're having visitations from what people might call UFOs or ETs and they invoke Jesus and that shit stops. It's just done. It never happens again you know, or they have something like what happened to me and stuff's moving around and they invoke Jesus and it just stops. And I'm like, how, I mean, that's just really cool. I just really like Jesus. I think he's an awesome guy. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, everything that I've learned uh, about Christ consciousness and 
the 5D sort of solar dimension. I mean, to me, the way I interpret that is when you embody Christ, even though it might be through this cultural perspective that has all this baggage, if you just embody Christ consciousness, there is no baggage there. That's yeah. pure. That's that's humanity. You know, that is the crystallized, perfected person, not man, not woman, person. Yeah. And I think all cultures have that in some shape or form. Yeah. Um, you know, from the indigenous of South America to the astro, uh, the Aborigines of Australia, you know, there are demon exorcisms that have gone on in other cultures outside of Christianity. So I do, uh, I, I really respect your position because, you know, you can admit where Christ consciousness benefited you without then being a you know, salesmen for Jesus Christ, which is yes. like, unfortunately, as much as I love and respect a lot of the Christians in this podcasting community, I think they lose sight of like all these other world cultures when they say something like, oh, well, only Jesus Christ can save you from demon possession. Like they're missing the universality of it. They're not, they're taking that to mean like, well, Christianity is all end all be all when really what I would say is like, no, like that's the one true thing. And then they went and built all this other shit up around it. And now you're promoting all this other shit because of this one true thing that's like yeah. that's like putting like you know making a candy salad with like one piece of uh rhubarb or something and yeah. saying like it's healthy you know like salad. <laughs> yeah so i am totally uh in concert with that Lindsay. i think that's really an extraordinary experience obviously uh you've sort of taken the higher road since <laughs> Now you're on the middle path on rockfin.com. Let's get into maybe how the tarot deck, since you've changed your relationship with it to be a more empowering one, how it really can benefit us. Cause we don't want to leave people thinking like, Oh, well, if I play with tarot cards, I'm going to have to go, you know, invoke Jesus's name to save my soul, which yeah. maybe, yeah, try <laughs> that if you're really, you know, in dire straits, but yeah, it's not, it's not going to happen to anybody. No. And it's really, the thing is, like I was sort of hinting at earlier is now I do this whole, I do this whole process basically. And it's, um, it's really just meant I'm, I'm very much a fan of morphogenetic field theory, basically. And morphogenetic field theory, for anyone who's not familiar is Rupert Sheldrake's idea that everything basically carries an energy, every thought, every word, everything what we do over all of history. And so we're, and it's almost like the idea of the egregore, or the tulpa, it's like, you're putting your energy into this thought form or this structure. Uh, and the more people doing that, the more it actually like exists and carries weight. Right. So Jesus very well. And it is, like you said, Jesus has these things all throughout, you know, we could get into astrotheology and see how every single <laughs> culture all throughout history has the Jesus-like figure because it's represented, you know, in the, in the spheres, whatever. <laughs> but because we've all put this energy into it and it may be even, especially in this location, right? It might be a stronger field in this location because more people here kind of put energy into that than they do into like Krishna or something. Right. But if right. you went over to India, maybe Krishna would be like the thing that you would be most powerful. Who knows? Um, but I really like that theory. And so everything I do is sort of uh, in concert with that, that I, 
I create my morphogenetic field of protection every single day. I reinforce it every single day. I banish anything that I've sort of picked up or has gotten like stuck or any energetic like slowness in my own field or whatever, just sort of dimness or darkness. I like eradicate that every day and I invite back in this fresh, pure light of love, of God, of whatever. Again, the words don't really matter to me, right? It's whatever you want to call it is totally fine, but invite that in. And that habit of doing that, that practice of doing that, and that morphogenetic field that I've created has made this like a very powerfully protected place um, where even if I were to try and invite in something dark, like all of this energy would like deflect even that, right? And then I also have this very, very pure, clarified intention that I have practices to get really focused and really deep and really connected so that when I go into a reading, I'm in that space, right? There's very little distraction. There's very little outside energy that's able to like in any way influence anything. Um, and I just take it very seriously. You know, if you're, if you're taking it seriously, you're not treating it like a game. You're not inviting in random dark spirits. You're doing it in a way where you feel like you've set up your protections. Maybe you've called in your own spiritual allies, however you think of them and ask them to help protect you and just made it really clear. Like this other person's energy, it's not touching me. I'm not connected with it. So even if they have some darkness, some gray, like they haven't clarified their own spiritual place, whatever, I'm not letting it come through me. I'm letting it come into these cards. I'm letting it come into that only. And then I'm working with that to help them see it, you know, to have give them that mirror where they can reflect uh, deeply on it. And it is something that is so helpful for so many people. And so I could never pretend like it's a dark art, but it's just like anything. If you use it darkly, it's going to be a dark art for you. If you use it brightly, it's going to be a bright art for you. Um, you know, just like a hammer, you can like smash a window with it, or you can build a house with it. Like you can do anything you want with it. And as long as you know that going in, you know, you don't hand hammers to little kids so they can just smash each other's faces, right? You teach them how to protect themselves and how to do it right and how to be constructive with it. And I think it's the same with tarot or with anything. And there's a lot too that, um, you know, tarot has its own morphogenetic field, obviously, and its morphogenetic history is that people use it with spirits and with spiritual energy and so there are other oracles people could use that don't even have that you know like I Ching is very very you don't you're not calling in anything you're literally just asking a question and just flipping like the card or pulling the sticks or throwing the coins and if you want to you can do a similar process to tarot call in some energies clarify space do all that but it's like you could also do it in a much less uh, do you know what I mean? Like, it just has less of that sort of tradition attached to it, uh, from my understanding, at least. And so you maybe oh. could look at it as like safer, quote unquote. And I will point out that what we're talking about is simply divination. I mean, there are complex forms of divination, the tarot cards, the I Ching. There are simpler forms of divination. I mean, something as simple as like holding a L-shaped rod in your hand and you know seeing where it uh vibrates towards that's a divination technique to show you where water is and you know my father uh works for the water company and i'll tell you that's actually like a trade practice they use yeah. that to find uh pipes in the ground because it's actually you know scientific even as anomalous seeming as it is it's a form of divination uh going back a long long time 
Uh, but things like that, throwing up little bundles of sticks in the air and seeing how they land, you know, indigenous cultures all around the world have uh, forms of divination practices that they use to this day. And obviously in our Western culture, in the esoteric culture, things have become very complex. But I'm kind of tempted to read this quote from Eliphas Levy and get your thoughts on it, Lindsay. Yes. As an erudite Kabbalistic book, all combinations of which reveal the harmonies pre-existing between signs, letters, and numbers, the practical value of the tarot is truly and above all marvelous. A prisoner devoid of books, had he only a tarot of which he knew how to make use, could in a few years acquire a universal science and converse with an unequaled doctrine and inexhaustible eloquence so what are your thoughts on that because i can maybe go into what i think but let's hear what you have to say i think it's absolutely true but i'll just like one up him there and say that i think that that's true even if you were a prisoner with just your own self mm. um i just i think again like tarot's a tool it's a fantastic tool he's absolutely right it's a marvelous tool it has so much especially like my deck and so certain decks have like so much complexity built into them that like it's incredible if you were going to go into every detail of even one card and really decode it that alone could take you weeks of study right you know and there's <laughs> a lot of cards what 76 so like there's that's true but i just like tarot, like anything, what's really even like dowsing rods, what's really happening is that you're getting really deeply in, in touch with and aligned with your, your deepest self. And you're so clear in the moment and present in the moment with it, that you're able to like understand things more intuitively and clearly from your subconscious or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then decode that into human language or whatever, you know, share it with other people, draw about it, write about it. And you're really just um, doing that. The cards are, again, just like a mirror. They're just here like, oh, yeah, that. It's like I could pull the same card like seven days in a row for seven different questions, seven different people, and get a different meaning from it. You know, so when people will ask me, like, what does this card mean? And like, well, I can tell you some things about it, but it's going to mean what it means in that moment for that question, for that per person, you know? And so what's that mean? That means that it's not even really the card that's telling you. <laughs> it's really your own understanding, right? And the card is just reminding you like, oh yeah, today it's like this and this and this element in conjunction and, you know, whatever with all these relationships in this context. And here's the final meaning. You could have gotten that on your own without a card too. You know, you have that meaning inside of you and we all do. And I think that's something that people forget. And I think we get too attached sometimes to these tools um, and we get too much like, oh, this is the way and this is the only way. Do you think back to like the first time someone ever divined anything? What was it? Was it the, was it like the bone that they tossed or was it them being really clear in that moment and getting a message? Do you know what I mean? Right. Like it all started somewhere. <laughs> and like, if it started somewhere, then that means we all have that access if we right. want to choose to. Right. And, and that's kind of what I was thinking when I was reading the quote is like, what he's really cluing you in on is that there is a body of information that we can engage with that's outside of our direct consciousness and sometimes tools like tarot cards help 
that process along and give us the kind of universal symbols that once put in the right places and, and in certain order with synchronicity, of course, of the moment that it's drawn and all the meaning that's invested in that and what it is to be. I think it's just a tool uh, sort of technology built on top of what our brain already does, which is ask yeah. questions, you know, and our brain can give us answers. Something that I've been thinking about a lot lately is like, what kind of questions have I been asking myself? Because the quality of the questions we ask ourselves really determines the answer we get. You know, our brain's ready to give us an answer. But if we keep asking ourselves questions like, well, why isn't this happening? Or how come this isn't the way it is? Then we're going to get crappy answers and not go anywhere. So like the tarot card deck kind of breaks you out of that in a sense of like, you know, on your own, it might not be easy to imagine something uh, outside of your, you know, immediate feelings and what you're drawn to kind of think because of the circumstances you're in. The tarot gives you this kind of uh, path to go down that you might not have even imagined on your own. Yes, yes. But something in you was like calling you towards it. It was like, hey, and you were like, shut up. Psh, right. shut up. No, not listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's really incredible. I'm I'm compelled. Tell us a little bit about the middle path and what you've been up to on rockfin.com because I'm really excited to dive into that a little further. Yes, thank you. Well, it's actually very deeply connected with my my story overall. You know, you said like you haven't become a salesman for Jesus, but I actually did right then because I was like, oh, Jesus is real. And obviously that worked. And like, that means Christianity is true. And so I like read my Bible and like daily and I like told people about how great it was. And I was I was a little bit much for a while. Um, and then I, you know, soon mellowed out because that's the nature of me. Um, but instead of, you know, having been this person who rejected all of God and then been this person who accepted all of Christianity and Jesus into their lives. And then I found that there is something in the middle, right? Jesus is something powerful and there is stuff in Christianity that's rad. There is awesome things in the Bible. And then there's also a lot of like really horrible, evil, dark shit in the Bible. It makes you wonder like who wrote this shit? Cause it's pretty fucked up. Um, and then like, you know, there's just some, something in the middle and everything throughout my whole life, like I'll find something and I will go sort of to the extreme and then I'll realize that's not actually good at all. And then I'll come back to the middle. And I just have all these synchronicities and all of these times in my life where these masters will drop their beautiful messages in front of me, like Lao Tzu or Jesus, or all of these various people have said almost essentially the same thing, which is neither extreme is going to serve you as well as somewhere in the middle is. And it doesn't mean sacrifice yourself or always compromise or try to find the middle it just means like remember when you feeling like you're going to an extreme you're probably not going to find the best um place of of connection with self and you know the soul there you're probably going to come back at least to the middle it's hermetic it's like everywhere and so i've just realized you know especially in like the new age culture which i get lumped in with a lot because i do tarot readings and talk about these things there's a lot of extremes, you know, people are like, oh, well, if there's, you know, aliens, then there's every kind of alien. And there's like blue flying, like bird people, aliens, and they're all here to help us. And everything's beautiful. And we're going into the shift and our frequencies are high. <laughs> I'm like, that's all there's truth in every bit of that. 
but they're all like taken like way far to the extreme in my opinion. So middle path especially is where I try to like take all of these things that I think every human experiences and understands and grab them back from the extremists <laughs> and bring them like squarely into our laps where we can just say like, yeah, I do have a soul and I have spiritual experiences and there is something about my vibration and energy that matters. And maybe tuning forks are cool, but also you probably can't like you know, just expect to like be diagnosed with cancer and then suddenly be cured because you drank nothing but lemons and like hit yourself in the head with a tuning fork. Like we have to also have like a balance here and be rational. So I just, I try to merge like my very rationalistic side with my very spiritual energetic side and just take back, like I said, some of that bullshit that's been like covered with goo by the new age community and really leads a lot of people astray. So that's the middle path on Rockfin. And I do it every Thursday at 7 p.m. Mountain. It's a live stream. I love to have people in the chat. I, I definitely always include like some kind of a practice that I've found to bring me some sort of health or wellness um, or deeper ability our deeper clarity. Uh, and so, and they're really quick and they're really light. And um, so I, so it's also like a, you know, you can learn practical tools for yourself. If you listen, you can gain some of these practices and start to use them yourself and not feel like a weirdo about it. Cause I think that's also hard for people. They like go looking for help. And then there's this like, just like, oh, you need to like, you know, hang yourself upside down from a tree and like be doing this posture for 10 minutes a day. And I don't know, there's just so much shit that's like way too far. And, and a lot of people just would like to have this, you know, much more normal <laughs> approach to in integrating some of these things that are powerful tools and can transform your life. So Hopefully that wasn't too much of a ramble, but I'm very excited about Middle Path. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you should be. I think it is exciting to get on uh, this path of not only improving your own life, but through that, helping other people find a way to improve theirs. I think that's one of the real benefits I've found in podcasting is, A, I started as a listener, received, you know, so much information, it was overwhelming, but as I really sorted all through, I was improving my life, you know, little by little. And and now people are reaching out to me, telling me things about my show that make me feel like, oh, wow, they're having the same experience I had. So yeah, I'm looking forward to diving into the middle path. Like I said, people can go check out my past appearance on Rogueways and yeah. listen to Rogueways. Recently, you had a really interesting episode that now I'm forgetting. Was it Chance with Festival Entities and Drug Portals? Yes. Okay. Chance Garten. Dude, yeah, that's so rad. Drug Portals. That's that word got me. I was like, what is it? What festivals and drug portals? I feel like that is a rabbit hole I need to go down. But yeah, very yeah. interesting stuff going on on Rogueways. Lindsay. Thank you so much for joining us on the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast. And folks, sign up for the Patreon. Thank you so much for having me. And I really hope to see everybody at Rogue Ways and at Middle Path on Rockfin or on YouTube, even though YouTube sucks. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining me. Take it easy. Mark is bananas. Crazy. Okay, this guy's losing his mind. I'm Don't listen crazy to him. for feeling so lonely. Follow us on patreon.com slash mftic.
That's patreon.com slash mftic.